Welcome into another episode of the Unnamed MMA Podcast. I'm Adam Abdallah, along with Jordan Sherwood. Follow him on Twitter at one on one zero six three. Follow me on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah. A decent week with the picks for UFC Fight Night with Patty the Batty winning. We had that, uh, you know, within the distance, but not necessarily uh, by, by knockout like we predicted. Had Molly McCann to win that fight as well. So now we move on to another pay-per-view event. The prelims will be on ABC, but this is a pay-per-view event for the UFC. UFC 277, and we see a rematch between Juliana Pena and Amanda Nunez. This should be a decent card, right, Jordan? It should be. I mean, obviously, any time you get the GOAT in Amanda Nunez uh, trying to reclaim her UFC Bantamweight Championship, that is a good one. The other fight, the co-main event, the flyweight interim title fight between Kai Kara France, Brandon Moreno, also a rematch. Should be an outstanding fight. And really, it is top-heavy. The main card on pay-per-view, five solid matchups for us to play along with. And then maybe we'll sprinkle in a couple of uh, prelim and early prelim selections. But it is back-to-back weeks with some very good fight cards. And I was, you know, look, I was I was definitely talking about fading both uh, Molly McCann and Patty Pimblett. But I'm happy to see them both win because now they're going to get even more intriguing matchups. And I do believe the UFC has identified Patty Pimblett is coming stateside for his next site. So nice. uh, Danny Zetterman, uh, New York or Boston. Oh, yeah. New oh, York yeah. or Boston could be in the mix. You, me, Big Cat, Patty the Batty. We can get something done, right? We can get something done. And maybe something a little bit later on to surprise our listeners here to the unnamed MMA podcast as far as that main event goes. We do have a Chicago native in Juliana Pena who is fighting and trying to win again, even though she is a heavy underdog. So may- may- maybe a little surprise here in a little bit. We'll see. We'll see. We'll save that for the surprise. Just hold on. Just hold on. We'll see. Hold on, maybe. But we'll start with the first fight of the main card, Magomed Ankalaev and Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith, a huge underdog to Magomed, minus 475 to plus 380 in the light heavyweight division. But this could be, uh, you know, a setup for a championship fight in the not-too-distant future if you look at this. So what do you see in this one as we kick off this main event here, or this this main card here for UFC 277? Well, yeah, I mean, both guys are going to have claim to challenging for the light heavyweight championship if they get their hand raised on Saturday evening. This fight is set up for Magomed and Kolaev to win the fight, win it impressively, and then be next in line for the championship. He is 17-1 and with nine knockouts. He actually should be 18-0. and Go back and watch the one fight that he lost, which was to the Bear Jew Paul Craig who was losing that fight to Ankalaev for 14 minutes and 50 seconds, and then he threw up a triangle choke at the end and got the win. Magomed Ankalaev is one of these Dagestani Russians that was identified very early on in his career with his background in Sambo. The fact that this guy hits like a ton of bricks uh, and is very well-rounded should be a future title challenger. He's been a bit boring the last two times that he's been in the octagon. Volkan Uzdemir and Tiago Santos. And the Santos fight was his last fight. It was the first time he was featured in a main event, and it was one of the worst fights that I've ever seen. Neither guy really posing a threat going for action. So here's the thing. Anthony Smith, been around the block, former title challenger, has won three fights in a row, is going to bring the fight to Magomed Ankalaev. Magomed Ankalaev is better everywhere than Anthony Smith. I mean, look, Anthony Smith is a good fighter. 
I like him on the commentary desk. He adds a lot to the sport of mixed martial arts, but he's just not going to be as quick. He's not going to be as powerful, and I don't think that his jiu-jitsu is going to threaten Magomed on Kalayev. So certainly you were not going to look at this fight and say, all right, Magomed on Kalayev, despite the fact that he's won back-to-back fights via decision, actually three fights in a row via decision, I'm going to lay a little bit less of uh, money down for him to win inside the distance. I think that he's going to go out, he's going to be forced to fight Anthony Smith, and that is going to be a recipe for Magomed and Kalayev to get his hand raised. So I like him inside the distance. I think I saw it at a dollar ten, dollar oh five in some places. Might be a little bit now, you know, more juice on that. But that's how I see that fight playing out. It's a perfect fight, Adam, for for to open up the main card. It's two what should be entertaining fighters. But like I said, I think the main thing, the main point about this fight is Anthony Smith is going to bring out the fight uh, of Magomed and Kalayev, and then he should get his hand raised. So if you look at inside the distance, you're right. It's minus 110 right now. Uh, and if you're looking at, you know, obviously this is going to end. If it's inside the distance, it's going to win. It's going to happen one way, and it's going to be by knockout, TKO. Uh, so that is plus 150 for Magomed to win by that. By knockout is plus 150. To win by submission is 12 to 1. So he's not a submitter, not a grappler by any means. So if you're saying inside the distance and you think Magomed's going to win this fight, then I would say, I would deduce that we should sprinkle a little bit on knockout at plus 150. 50 as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that, again, he's not going to threaten with a submission. Anthony Smith is a guy that's actually, you know, as I said, well-versed on the ground. And Anthony Smith is a finisher as well. I mean, he's got 36 wins, 16 losses, 52 fights in his mixed martial arts career. So 34 of his 36 wins have come inside the distance, and 13 of his 16 losses have come inside the distance. So this is guy either a kill or be killed type of fighter, and I think, again, this is a matchup where Magomed and Kalayev is fighting a guy a little bit lower on the rankings, but a, a former title challenger, and Anthony Smith is going to bring the fight out of Magomed and Kalayev. The last previous three guys that Ankalayev defeated did not. Nikita Krylov, Volkan Uzdemir, Tiago Santos did not. He's going to get the fight with Anthony Smith, and that's perfect for us that are on Ankalaev's side and like him inside the distance at a dollar ten. All right, our next fight of the night will be Alexandre Pantoja against Alex Perez. Perez plus 140, Pantoja is minus 165 in another fight that's trying to determine who's going to get a title shot next or at least determine the hierarchy of how this flyweight division uh, is going. So in this matchup, if you're looking to see who these two are going to win, minus 165, the favorite here for Pantoja. How do you see this one? Yeah, I just don't see Alex Perez posing any type of threat to Alexander Pantoja outside of maybe the power that he's going to possess in in a boxing match. But Pantoja is so fluid uh, with his Muay Thai. He's very good jujitsu. He could go hard for three rounds. He could go hard for five rounds if need be. It's a guy that's also fallen on some hard times. He's had some injuries that have prevented him from fighting for a championship. He's obviously going to pay pain. Both of these guys are going to be paying very close attention to the interim flyweight championship fight between Kai Car France and Brandon Moreno a little bit later on in the card. Uh, I, I like Pantoja straight up in this fight at a dollar sixty. Alex Perez also is a guy that has struggled to make the scale. We're recording this podcast on Wednesday afternoon, so we'll have to wait and see what Alex Perez looks like on the scale. But See, quite- I knew that about you. When I highlighted it, when it said he struggled to miss weight in back-to-back occasions last year, I'm like, oh, nope, Jordan's not going to like that. Yeah, no, and like well, again, it's a huge factor. It's, it's, it's basically half the fight for most of these fighters, and Alex Perez continually has not uh, been able to make the weight, so you have to pay attention to that. But again, if he doesn't make the weight come Friday afternoon, 
afternoon, well, then more money is going to be poured in on Pantoja to win the fight. Right now, you can grab him, and I see him. He should be handicapped at like $2, 210 He's at $1.60. And I think people are looking at that because Pantoja maybe hasn't lived up to his potential. He's had some injuries, and Perez does have some power. But I think Pantoja's been enough firefights to put himself out of danger Use his fluidity, use his Muay Thai. If he gets a fight to the ground, he's going to be better on the ground with his jujitsu. So at straight up, money line straight up, Pantoja to win the fight at a dollar sixty. I think is the smart play. All right, and you can either, if you don't like those odds, maybe stuff that into a parlay with uh, Magomed, like we talked about, either minus one ten inside the distance or at minus four seventy five because he's such a huge favorite. Moving on to our next fight, the big boys, the heavyweights. Derek Lewis uh, is plus one hundred five against Sergey Pavlovich. He's minus one twenty five. Now Derek Lewis is from Texas, and this is taking place in. Texas. Now he's he's from Houston and this is taking place in Dallas. So hopefully this, you know, maybe this because I say that because Derek Lewis has lost two consecutive fights at home in what could be determined a home fight for him. Now, it does he have a better shot against Sergey Pavlovich as a slight dog here at plus 105? Maybe he might have that because, you know, the home cooking that might factor in, but he has lost those two fights. This should be a great fight. Two dudes that, you know, you normally see, sometimes you see two heavyweights, like these guys are just going to lay all over each other for for three rounds or for five rounds if it's a main event, and then we're just going to be kind of boring. But these dudes like to hit, and these dudes, this is going to end, and it could end quickly. Yeah, it's not in the case with Derek Lewis. I mean, Derek Lewis really has had one seemingly boring fight and was actually voted one of the most boring fights in UFC history when he danced around for three rounds with Francis Ngannou. But this is a guy that has a UFC record for knockouts, not just in the heavyweight division, the UFC record for all fighters. He possesses it because he's got dynamite in both hands. He is one punch, no matter at what point in the fight, from knocking your face off. And look, he's fallen on some hard times, but he beats the guys that he should beat. I mean, And he also... Seemingly beats the up-and-comers. I mean, he beat Chris Dacus, and when Chris Dacus leapt into the deep end, just like Sergey Pavlovich is doing kind of in this fight. Pavlovich has not been in the octagon at near the competition that Derek Lewis has seen and been in there with. I mean, Lewis, the black piece, has been in there with Curtis Blades. He's been there with Nganu. He's been in there with Gan. He's been in there with Ivanov, Latifi, Olenek, you know. Daniel Cormier, Mm -hmm. the who's who of the heavyweight division Derek Lewis has seen. And he's kind of awkward and freakishly athletic that a lot of guys are not even prepared for. He'll throw out some kicks. He'll wait to counter. And look, he could take punishment for 13 minutes in a fight and then knock you out. Derek Lewis is an underdog in this fight, and it shocks me. I just think people are fading him, thinking at 36 37 years of age, it's going to be, you know, uh, something that Derek Lewis is just, he's kind of you know, regressing and, and become a little bit longer in the tooth, a little bit older in his career. I just don't buy it. Derek Lewis straight up to win. Derek Lewis inside the distance being knockout Woo. is my play. Woo. I mean, look, the, the only threatening thing that I that I see for guys currently against Derek Lewis are guys that are going to be outstanding grapplers and take him down and control him like Daniel Cormier did, like Cyril Gunn, you know, threatened to do. That's not the case with Pavovich. So then I look to like, all right, you know, balls to the wall strikers, which Pavovich is not, or a guy like Tai Tuivasa that has a bowling ball for a head, doesn't get knocked out and just keeps walking zombie style towards you. And Pavovich isn't that dude either. So look, Derek Lewis is the play until he shows me that he is no longer consistently one of the top five heavyweights in the world. I believe he still is, and I love him as an underdog. I don't care about the Texas thing anymore. Not paying attention to it. <laughs> I look, look, we weren't doing the podcast at the time, but I, I certainly 
handicapped it in my pick of him over Cyril Gaon back then. Mm-hmm. We had tied to Ivasa the last time they fought, and that yeah. was a huge cash for us as an underdog. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going with Derek Lewis this time. I'm trusting the Black Beast. Haven't seen him a lot over social media. To me, that means that he's in there in the gym, doing the right thing, trying zone. to get back on track. And look, at the end of the day, by the way that the heavyweight division is currently constructed, he is one or two, he's like one or two fights away from being right back in the mix for the title contention. Derek Lewis, the black beast. I'm, so I'm in. Derek Lewis, money line right there, plus 105, and by knockout at plus 150. Sprinkle a little bit of that on there. Well, he's going to win. He's going to throw up an arm triangle? I don't know. <laughs> like, by submission, it's 25 to 1. So that that's the be... only way. Yeah. So I'm just saying, listen, people want to know. I'm putting it out there for the people. If you think he's going to win. It's not one of my long term plays. No, absolutely not. Okay. My long shot plays, no. But Derek Lewis by knockout instead of yeah. just plus 105, plus 110. Yeah, you do that. All right. He's got the knockout record. I love that. I love it. I love it. The dogs are barking. I love it, especially with the big boys. You know, know that's my favorite. To see a big guy fall, you know what they say. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. I love it. It's my favorite. All right, Brandon Moreno, our next fight in Kai Car France. He's plus 175. Moreno is minus 205. This could this is for the interim UFC flyweight champion. Which makes no sense, by the way. Devinson Figueroa was ready to fight. He just needed like another month. Well, whole interim yeah, thing well, is bullshit. You know, but I mean, this is this me. month. This is this month, Jordan. It's uh, it's July. It's July, and so this is for the interim flyweight champion. Uh, between these two, whatever that means. Uh, don't blink is a horrible nickname. Uh, so <laughs> I'm sorry, it just is. There's great nicknames. You got the Black Beast. You got the Venezuelan Vixen, uh, Juliana Payne. You've got great nicknames. The Assassin Baby and Brandon yeah, Moreno. That's awesome. Don't blink. Horrible nickname. Horrible nickname. I'm already out. I'm already out. I <laughs> well, hope I'm you're not the, picking I'm him. on the same boat as you. Oh, I good. am all day on Brandon Moreno. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I think just Brandon Moreno, you know, just just the sheer guts and, and toughness that that dude possesses. Extremely well-rounded. Could go hard. He'll be able to go hard for five rounds. He'll, he'll pose some issues for Kai Kaur France and the grappling department that Kai Kaur France is ever improving. And, no, look. He comes from that great city kickboxing uh, gym. He, he, he trains with Israel Adesanya. He trains with Alexander Volkanovsky. He trains with Blood Diamond, who's earlier on the card. Haven't, I'm surprised you haven't even mentioned him yet. Dude, his name is Blood, his name is Blood Diamond. Yeah, I mean, Blood Diamonds are probably not, not the most like, like, political thing, Mike. like the like the best thing in the world. Like You shouldn't be getting Blood Diamonds. So <laughs> like, his, his name's actually Michael. But okay, but, well then, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, his name's, he's his referred name, to as Blood Diamond. His name is Michael. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but in reality, with Kai Car France. I mean, Kai Car France has some unlethal power, and we've seen him. We, we see he knocked out Cody Garbrandt. He knocked out Rogerio Boderon uh, when Boderon had him in some serious issues. So you do have to respect the power, but I just think Brandon Moreno is just too tough and just too well-rounded. We saw that all-around game kind of come to fruition the last time that they fought. I think Brandon Moreno once again takes it. He becomes the interim feather, or excuse me, the interim flyaway champion. And we see, what, a fourth fight with Devison Figueroa? Or it would be the fifth fight. Mm-hmm. I think it's the fourth fight. And probably then likely a fifth fight. So uh, Brandon Moreno. But yeah. again, you know, it's interesting how I would play this. I-, I think decision is likely the way to go for Brandon Moreno in okay. this. I think Kai Carfrance is going to be a tough guy as well to finish. A lot of flyaway fights do go to the judges' scorecard. So currently to win straight up, Brandon Moreno, last I looked, was, what, 220? Uh, on the money line, right two ten. So by decision is plus one forty. Okay, I think that's a little bit safer of a bet. All High right. car France is improving. Brandon Reynolds likely going to want to get into a grappling exchange with Kai Car France, but 
if you want to look at Brandon Moreno get a finish, then you do the submission. You do the submission. We've seen Kayakar France be submitted three times. He was an extremely difficult situation against Hajiro Bodoran. Came back, won that fight. But prior to that, he was submitted by Brandon Royval. We know how slick that dude is with his submissions. Moreno's the same. And Moreno certainly has some submissions in his, in his arsenal. So I would suggest if you need an inside-the-distance play, it'd be submission. All right, we'll look at that. Moreno by decision there at plus 140. And if we're looking at now we turn our attention to the main event, Juliana Pena, Amanda Nunez, a rematch here where Juliana Pena, the underdog before, she's the underdog again. She defeated Amanda Nunez. She has the title, and we are fortunate enough to be joined by Juliana Pena right now from Chicago, Chicago native. When you say fighting from Chicago, it means a lot more to us here at ESPN Chicago. Juliana Pena on the line. Juliana, how's it going? Hey, guys. Um, I'm feeling great. I'm ready to go and uh, just all gas, no brakes at this point. Juliana, that's great to hear. And uh, obviously there's a little bit more to this. You know, it's being considered one of the biggest rematches in UFC history, but... What was it like for you spending, you know, what, six to eight weeks uh, on the Ultimate Fighter, kind of seeing Amanda every single day, knowing full well that once again you're going to have to stand opposite her in the octagon, and it'll be to, uh, on Saturday night? You know, I was definitely in my element. I was back on my own stomping grounds. I, I knew all the producers. I knew the format of the show. I, I knew how everything was generally going to run uh, aside from the coach's challenge. Um, with that being said, I was definitely in my element. I was in my zone, and, and it didn't bother me at all to be, you know, orbiting in the same area as Amanda at all. Do you think that that's part of your story, the fact that you were, an, uh, you know, an Ultimate Fighter contestant, an Ultimate Fighter winner? Not only that, but, like, everything for you outside the octagon, becoming a mother, all the injuries, the off-the-field issues that you had to deal with. I mean, is that? do you feel like that needs to be told as part of the Juliana Pena story? Yeah, I think it does because there's so much that I have dealt with in my personal life as well as my professional life that I think doesn't get, you know, as much credit as I feel like it probably deserves. You know, I've, I've, I've torn both of my knees and, and had devastating knee injuries. I've come back from a major abdominal surgery and have an emergency C-section with my baby. I've been ran over walking on a sidewalk on the side of the street, you know. Um, there's so many things that have happened to me in my personal life that I feel like has built nothing but adversity in, in who I am and has made me who I am. And I think that that's part of the reason why I have found success inside the octagon is just because, shoot, I feel like adversity is my middle name. <laughs> so in the first fight seven months ago, what clicked for you during that fight? Were you able to come up with a victory? Um, I think everything just clicked. Everything was all in, in divine timing and, and everything just kind of worked out. But the most important thing is that I knew how hard I worked building up to that fight. And I knew that no matter what, nobody was going to be able to take that hard work away from me. And, and when I got the win, it just solidified that, you know, you work hard for a reason. And then all that hard work really did pay off. And uh, it's kind of the same recipe that I've been following along for this rematch as well. And ha do you change anything the second time around? Do you go in with the same game plan? Are you looking to improve on anything in these last seven months going into this fight? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've seen the fight over a few times and there's some things that I did really well and then there's some things that I did not so well. And so I think that you kind of look back there, you use that as a, as a catalyst to propel you forward and figure out what you need to get um, 
changing in in the in the second fight, and then kind of just hone in on on that, and just making sure that you're sharpening up your sword um, at, at all ends. And and I think that that's really what I've done in this camp, and and I'm ready to to show the world my my A game. Juliana, one of the things we focus here on the podcast is the gambling aspect of the UFC and mixed martial arts. You are obviously, <clears throat> excuse me, a significant underdog in the first fight. And now as a defending champion, you are once again. Do you as a fighter pay attention at all to the gambling odds and the respect or maybe lack thereof that you're receiving come fight week? You know, I think that I don't pay too much attention to the odds and being the underdog or being the favorite. I kind of leave that to the pros and make sure that I'm um, just focusing on doing my job and making sure that my job is done. Uh, with that being said, I, and I said this in the first fight, and I'll say it again in this fight, I guarantee you that when that cage door closes, she ain't looking at me as some underdog. I think she's taking me very serious, and, and I think that the rest of the world should. And that's kind of the reason why we're doing this rematch. Everybody thinks that Amanda slipped on a banana peel, and that's why she lost the fight that night. And and I I tend to to disagree. I absolutely think that it is my time now, and and that she didn't slip on a banana peel. That I won in dominant fashion, and I plan on doing the same thing on Saturday night. Listen, you're an absolutely tough fighter. No one is questioning your toughness. When they say, when you are announced in that ring as fighting out of Chicago, what does that mean for you? Obviously, it means a lot for us here at ESPN Chicago, but what does that mean for you personally to be representing the city of Chicago? You know, to, to represent the city of Chicago is just such an exciting thing. There's so many great champions that have come out of the Chicago area and, and so many people that work so hard to... Um, bring more recognition to Chicago. So the fact that I was able to bring back the belt to the lake and everything and, and knowing that Chicago has my back, is it's, it's really motivating for me and it's an honor. And uh, I'm, I, pressure is a privilege and it's, it's a privilege that I don't take lightly and it's something that I take very seriously and, and, and I enjoy that I got to bring that back for Chicago just like uh, I'm going to enjoy bringing it back again on Saturday. Now on Saturday night, they raise your hand, you keep the belt, all that stuff is good, you're, you're, you're out, you're celebrating. What's the, after training for months and months and you know watching what you eat and you're in the gym and you're, you're, everything is you know concentrated, you're putting in the most effort, like what's the first thing you go to afterwards? Are you getting a big piece of chocolate cake from Portillo's? Are you getting a, a deep dish pizza? What are you going after? I'm, I'm going after a small Cheval burger and fries and <laughs> there you a shake at small Cheval <laughs> or, or Paradise Pub. I, I want a cheeseburger. I don't care where it's from because, you know, all the burgers are good everywhere. Everything is good in Chicago. So I'll, I'll take it where I can get it, and it doesn't matter. I'm not a picky picky person, not a picky eater, and uh, I'm going to eat it all. I'm definitely ready to put a bow at, uh, on, the, on this present and just be done with it. Well, Juliana, if uh, once again your hand is raised on Saturday uh, night, I hope you give us a call. We will meet you for that Chevelle burger, absolutely, and uh, probably bring a deep dish pizza along for all of us to enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love deep dish, and, and I can't wait, and I absolutely will talk to you guys afterwards. Thank you. All right, Juliana. Thank you so much. Thanks, Juliana. Good luck. You too. Yeah, thank you, guys. Have a great day. So thank you to Juliana Pena as she calls in, and good luck to her this weekend uh, against Amanda Nunez. This is a rematch from seven months ago. Juliana Pena plus 230 on the money line. Amanda Nunez minus 275. They also coached against each other in the Ultimate Fighter, so these two very familiar with each other. How do you see this main event? event playing out well you talked about it at the onset of the podcast and the current odds these are the longest odds a defending champion 
has had in a title fight since Matt Serra fought George St. Pierre. Hmm. When George St. Pierre was the challenger, Matt Serra was the defending champion. And when you go back and look at that first fight and compare it to the first fight with Amanda Nunez and Juliana Pena, many people consider now the Pena Nunez, the Pena win over Nunez, the biggest upset in UFC history. If you didn't say that that was the biggest upset in UFC history, you likely said that Matt Serra's knockout of George St. Pierre way back when was the biggest upset in UFC history. So currently, as it stands, many people believe that we're going to not see the same result as we did in the first fight, and we're going to see the same result as we did in the George St. Pierre-Matt Serra rematch, which was a third or second round TKO victory for George St. Pierre. And I'm expecting the same thing. From what I hear and what I understand, I've got some inside sources. Ooh. Look at that. Um, Amanda Nunez is ready. Amanda Nunez is in shape. I mean, I would hope she's, so. She's fighting. Well, it's a main event. I mean, she kind of mentally checked out of that first fight. Right, right? Yeah. She had an outstanding first round, and then something happened where she just completely gassed and checked out. She's ready to reclaim her, her throne as the GOAT, She as the champion of the women's bantamweight division. And if you look and you piecemeal together, Lorton, understanding that and understanding kind of where they were fighting in that first round and how Amanda Nunez was looking like the Amanda Nunez that we've grown accustomed to seeing each and every single time in the octagon. I do believe that we're going to have, and once again, UFC Women's Bantamweight Champion. I believe the plays are Amanda Nunez inside the distance and uh, the under uh, at three and a half. And I'd say that the under at three and a half because I still want to respect Juliana Pena's ability as a wrestler. She is one of the best wrestlers that we currently have in women's mixed martial arts and her ability to get the fight to the ground and force Amanda into those grappling exchanges against the cage, force Amanda to defend off of her back, even though, you know, yes, Amanda Nunez is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, but understanding the top game that Juliana Pena have, I'm kind of hedging my advice on, I believe, a first or second round TKO is happening at the hands of Amanda Nunez uh, versus Juliana Pena, maybe once again being able to gas Amanda Nunez out and then overcome her with mm-hmm. a submission or a TKO later in the fight. So under three and a half at a dollar ninety, uh, I grabbed it at FanDuel was uh, my recommendation as well. Okay, and then if you're looking at uh, but the method of victory here, Amanda Nunez to win by knockout or TKO, that's even money at plus 100. So that's the way Vegas sees that fight as well. It should still be a great fight, you know, uh, and this card just looks amazing. So if we're going through it right now, you've got Nunez inside the distance and under 3.5. You've got Moreno by decision at plus 140. Derek Lewis, money line at plus 105 and by knockout at plus 150. Pantoja, minus 165 money line and Magomed inside the distance at minus 110 anything in the prelims that we should be looking at. I talked about I talked about Blood Diamond. Yeah, you did. I talked Mike, about Michael, Blood Diamond. He's Michael to me. Michael. Yeah, Michael uh Mathena is I believe how his last name is pronounced. I should know that. But I call him Blood Diamond. Um Blood Diamond's in for a world of hurt because look, Blood Diamond is an outstanding kickboxer. That's what he's known for, but he's relatively new to, you know, mixed martial arts and the UFC. It's a kind of a similar handicap even though it was on the losing end that I had a couple of weeks back to Alex, uh, Alexander Pohea. Wait, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Is his legal name Blood Diamond? Because he's listed on the gambling website as Blood... Like, everybody... No one has their nickname on, except for him. He has, he has Blood Diamond listed. There's something to that. 
I mean, there's something to it. I don't know if legally he's known as Blood Diamond, but in every circle that I've that I've like, if read I go to Vegas, in, do I say? Two dollars on Blood Diamond. Fifty yes. bucks on Blood Diamond, yes. and that's what shows up on that's the card. That's shows up on that's the card. That's insane. Okay, carry on. I think, I think Bruce Buffer introduced him as Blood Diamond. Okay, all right. And not Michael Blood Diamond, uh, Mathena, whatever his name is. No, just Blood Diamond. Okay. And and when people are analyzing, it's Blood Diamond. But Blood Diamond, uh, yes, has a, has an advantage on the feet against anybody. But as we saw in his UFC debut against Jeremiah Wells. Once the fight gets to the ground, uh, he's in rough shape and isn't going to be able to survive. And I think Orion uh, Kose does the same thing that Jeremiah Wells does. He's not as good of a grappler, but he's as aggressive enough to be able to get the fight to the ground. And then he just smothers Blood Diamond. So I do like Kose to win the fight and win it inside the distance. And maybe one and a, under it, one and a half also. Didn't look at that total, but that would be a recommendation I have. He's Jordan Sherwood. I'm Adam Abdallah. Follow him on Twitter at woodon1063. Make sure you get his picks at fatjacksports.com. And if you want to check out the Fat Jack, he joined the uh, the Bear Down podcast with myself and Chris Bleck. We went over some NFL futures for the upcoming season. It's never too late to get those, never too early, actually, to get those uh, NFL future picks in before training camp. And, you know, now the training camps are going on, so make sure you check all of those out. You can follow me on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah, as I mentioned, at woodon1063 when all these picks hit. Give him the praise. If not, just don't open Twitter. It's fine. And make sure you join (laughs) us next time for another episode of the Unnamed MMA Podcast.